SCP-5555, Made in Heaven. If I were to ask you what the administrator of the SCP Foundation and the leaders of most of the well-known groups of interest in the SCP universe had in common, you'd potentially come up with all sorts of outlandish answers. You might be perplexed to think of anything that all of them would have in common, but SCP-5555 paints a scenario in which all of them seemed involved in some sort of mystery. From Dr. Wondertainment to Robert Bumaro of the Church of the Broken God. This story follows a member of the O5 Council stumbling upon a mystery that transcends the SCP Foundation itself as they slowly unravel more and more of it. We start with the current O5-1 sending an email to the entire staff of the SCP Foundation congratulating them all on another decade of success in protecting humanity from anomalies. Ten years have gone by without a single containment breach or destroyed site, which is pretty incredible, and the O5 thanks all of them for their tireless work. The following day, O5-1 sends an email to his fellow overseers, telling them that he has made a troubling discovery, and that they should immediately fly to Overwatch Command to discuss the attached file. The attached file seems to be the article describing SCP-5555, a mass grave located underneath Overwatch Command filled with anomalous corpses. The age, depth, and source of these bodies is unknown, and no records of the pit can be found in the Foundation's database or on any blueprints. The file includes a short list of some of the corpses they've found so far. There's a perfectly preserved male of unclear age and ethnicity with no signs of injury, disease, or decomposition. An unidentified corpse dressed in yellow with a burlap sack on its head tightened by a noose, and when the sack is removed, another sack and noose is found underneath. A middle-aged Aleutique female with a skeleton composed of unmeltable ice with a note in the file that under no circumstance should the skeletal system be exposed. There's a male human corpse with over 80% of its internal organs replaced with gear-driven mechanisms continuing to operate when sufficiently wound. Although the body resembles someone that's been infected with the SCP-217 disease, the mechanisms are wholly artificial and seem to have been surgically installed. There's also a black stone coffin that they cannot seem to open due to some interior force, and they believe that a human being is inside. An adolescent female of unknown ethnicity with dark blue skin, no hair, and two severed hands grasping its throat. Finally, a teenage girl whose eyes have been gouged out, although photographs of the corpse show her with blue eyes, and when viewed through video, the eyes follow the camera. While there are some glimpses of references in there, the point is that every corpse is clearly of an anomaly, and the mystery is why they've been dumped there and by whom, apparently without the O5's knowledge. O5-1 sends an email to the Foundation Administrator, an individual that is typically depicted as a mysterious and enigmatic figure above the Overseers themselves. 
05-1 says that earlier that day, 15 Foundation sites received orders signed by the administrator to transfer several of their more notable anomalies to a new site in the Siberian Tundra, a place that was actually Overwatch Command. He doesn't think that anyone could fake the administrator's authorization, so he demands some answers. We see a headline from the Wall Street Journal that shows the stock price of Anderson Robotics plummeting, an anomalous technological company. So something is happening behind the scenes beyond just the SCP Foundation. Moving on, we're given a note addressed to the future 05-1, written by the current one, Everett Mann. Mann stumbled upon this whole mystery, and is writing these notes to pass the info on to his successor, whoever that might be. Mann says that he was blackballed by the administrator, Francis Fritz Williams, or Fritz, despite him believing that they were friends. Fritz had transferred over a hundred anomalies to Overwatch Command before framing Mann for an elaborate plot involving killing the other overseers. He then mentions that much of the info he's learned was actually passed on to him from his predecessor, so it's unknown how far back this mystery goes. Ultimately though, Mann says that the new O5-1's job is to kill Fritz to save the Foundation. Man trusts that whoever his successor is, they are capable of doing this, because otherwise they wouldn't have become an overseer in the first place. Going about the task of killing the Foundation Administrator isn't easy, and Man says that they will need three key things. A lair, escape plans, and safe houses. The lair is the first line of defense an isolated place stocked with guards and traps that will give you time to get away when Fritz inevitably shows up. Man had been holed up in an arctic shack for nearly 30 years when Fritz burned him and sent his own death squad to take care of him. He had spent that time making decisions remotely and then smoking the memory of those decisions away, so he barely remembered how to hold a gun by that point. He had often read The Most Dangerous Game, though, and it had inspired him to rig his lair with crude and simple traps, but they had worked on the death squad and gave him time to escape. Second are the escape plans, which are more important than the lair itself. He says to be ready to leave anytime and anywhere, whether mid-meeting or mid-toilet. You should give fake escape plans to your closest friends, as those are the ones that Fritz will get a hold of first. He suggests that if teleportation is not mundane by the time this occurs, find some SCPs that let you teleport. After Fritz is on to you and you've managed to escape once, you'll need some safe houses, and to be prepared like it's the end of the world. You should have lots of fully stocked safe houses, even fake ones, and you should have anomalies on hand that can get you to them. You should have moles in place at every Foundation facility, either trusted ones or ones you've blackmailed, to help you steal some anomalies. Man had managed to steal a hat, SCP-268, that makes the wearer effectively unnoticeable while being worn, which is pretty handy. Man says that this task will seem daunting, as Fritz has the entire Foundation behind him and perhaps the rest of the anomalous community as well, and although he can't offer any reassurance, he says that by being an overseer, you are the most qualified for this job. 
Okay, so we have our premise here, as man was determined to take out the Foundation Administrator, but it seems that he failed, although he was still alive to write these notes. That doesn't really explain why Fritz framed man, or why he seemingly goes after every 05-1, nor does it explain the pit full of anomalous corpses. Moving on, we see an email sent from the CEO of Wondertainment, an anomalous toy manufacturer, to Fritz, congratulating him on a masterful win. The CEO had hoped that they could win this time, but their builder bullies were too slow in building the Wonder Maker, some sort of large-scale device. Now their robo-dudes are at work destroying Wonder World, and the CEO is planning to get some souvenirs for Robert Bumaro, head of the Church of the Broken God, and Jude Kriot, the leader of Gamers Against Weed. They end the email by asking for a physical copy of The File, as they have misplaced theirs, although what exactly The File is, is currently a mystery to us. Next, we see a headline from the Deer College Odyssey, a newspaper that runs out of the anomalous Three Portlands region, claiming that Herman Fuller's Circus of the Disquieting has closed, with the entire cast of anomalies being fired. It seems that groups of interest are closing up shop around the world for some reason. Another note from Mann, writing that at this point, if you've already escaped from Fritz and you're sitting in a safe house, it's time to think about actually killing the administrator. Before Mann was an overseer, he was something called a silencer, a member of a highly clandestine foundation task force whose job involved eliminating the leadership of the chaos insurgency. Both Mann and Fritz had worked to create an effective set of rules to go about performing this task, and Mann finds it somewhat ironic that they'll be using these rules against Fritz. The most important rule is to ask the right questions, which are who, what, where, when, and why. The who in this case, based on the email that Mann had recovered between Wondertainment and Fritz, seems to include the leaders of a number of different anomalous groups, possibly all of them. With a mention of a mysterious file that was sent physically rather than electronically, Mann had decided to go to the Wondertainment headquarters to retrieve it, utilizing his special hat. Preempting the question of whether or not to assassinate the Wondertainment CEO, Mann says that maybe that will work for you, but he's just an old man with an invisibility cap who has to pick his battles. He'd rather just find out some info to use later but Wonder World is a pocket dimension that houses their factories and headquarters, and the longer a person stays inside, the more they change into something non-human, so he'll have to work quickly. The second rule is to keep your eyes and ears open, but your mouth closed, which is how he ended up finding the portal that leads to Wonder World. The portal is opened by ripping the heads off of a G.I. Joe and Barbie doll simultaneously and then tossing them into a nearby trash can. The portal deposited him about one and a half kilometers away from Wonder Tower, Dr. Wondertainment's base of operations. Wonder World has no sun, only a tambourine drum hanging in a purple sky, and its buildings were taken straight from the nightmares of Dolly and Escher. Wonder Tower itself is a purple spire that dominates the skyline with massive steps leading into an equally massive lobby. 
Man used his hat to walk up to the secretary and obtain a key card to access the doctor's private office, also learning that she was not there currently. Man says that the third rule is to be patient, and he broke this by being complacent and immediately going up to the office instead of waiting and learning her schedule. His haste overcame his better judgment, and he nearly died because of it. That leads into some security footage of Mann's encounter in the doctor's office, starting with showing a hazy and indistinct figure exiting the elevator and rushing out of sight. The camera quality is heavily degraded by the hat's effects, and after Mann enters the office, the footage quality improves. Inside the office, the camera there degrades in quality as Mann immediately heads to the large desk, stopping briefly at a painting of Charles Wondertainment IV before shaking his head. He searches through the desk for several minutes before removing a manila folder, and begins typing at the desk's computer. While this is happening, the CEO of Wondertainment, Holly Wondertainment, exits the elevator and enters the office, before locking the door behind her. She enthusiastically greets Man, who she has met before, and says that he has thrown quite the wrench into their little setup. Man says that it's only a matter of time before he learns everything, but Holly says that he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. Man asks her who else is involved in this little scheme, such as the other O5s, but Holly says that they'd never play with their stupid little numbers club, as this game is bigger than their little sandlot. Man demands that she explains, to which Holly laughs and asks when he became Batman, but she's not a pretty little airhead he can scare. She pulls out a large super squirter and aims it at Man, who says that she does seem more deranged than last time. It seems that the last time involved Holly disemboweling an entire Foundation site for toy parts and playing Operation with a strike team's bodies, after which Man tried to murder her. Man then asks what they are using the pit for, and she realizes that he's read the file, so she tells him to get on the ground. A fight ensues in which Man takes cover behind the flipped desk, firing out with a pistol, while Holly uses the anomalous super squirter to melt the desk. Eventually, Man leaps out and shoots Holly in the torso six times, causing her to fall to the ground. As he approaches her, she throws a whoopee cushion at him, which violently explodes and knocks him against the wall. She rises to her feet and limps towards Man, who suddenly gets back up and tackles her. They wrestle as the office burns around them from the explosion, but Holly overpowers him and begins repeatedly punching him in the face while laughing. Man manages to flip her over and takes the super squirter, unscrewing the cap and dumping the liquid contents onto her face. He holds her as she screams and struggles before going limp. Man stands, notices the camera in the room, and shoots it, ending the footage. Well, we've certainly set the tone for this article then, and despite it not being his intention, he managed to kill Dr. Wondertainment. Although, in his note, he implied that Dr. Wondertainment is still around, so perhaps he didn't. We're then given another version of the SCP-5555 file, but this one seems to be written from a much different perspective than the last one. The special containment procedures read that, 
Upon completion of the turnover and the reestablishment of the facade, SCP-5555 is to be sealed over with concrete, and no anomaly will ever visit SCP-5555 more than once in their lifetime. Additionally, 5555 is not to be discussed outside of preparation periods. As for the description, it's still a massive pit located underneath Overwatch Command, but we learn that when a cataloged SCP enters the pit, it will die, and then its skills, personality, and anomalous attributes will be slightly modified and reassigned to a new instance. This new entity will instantaneously manifest near the location of the SCP's initial discovery. The final text says that at this time, the previous round has ended, and a preparation period has begun. All personnel are asked to comply with SCP-5555 directions as assigned. So, it's a big pit that can somehow instantly kill absolutely any SCP that enters it, but it then recreates the SCP with slight differences and puts it back to where it was first discovered. There's been a lot of mentions so far of some sort of game going on, with rounds, preparation periods, and a winner. If the Foundation Administrator and the heads of the groups of interest are playing a game involving anomalies, it's above even the Overseers, and from the sound of it, it's been going on for some time. We're then given a short list of some anomalies that were put into the pit and what replaced them. An entity known as the Doctor was lured into the pit, and shortly after, they received reports of a black-robed entity in France, also able to kill via touch, this one wearing a Plague Doctor mask instead of a gas mask. Abel stepped out of his box straight into the pit, and reports emerged of an enraged, tattooed warrior spirit appearing in Mongolia, this one wielding swords instead of guns. The entity known as the Statue was baited into the pit by dangling a D-class over it, and a replacement appeared at an art exhibit in Kyoto, killing 23 civilians before being contained. It's apparently made out of concrete now, which made moving it tougher than before. Someone known as Duke Blackwood, who is a mole, followed after a stake thrown into the pit, and they are currently monitoring his mansion to catch whatever comes out. The Immortality Jewel was being held by someone named Jason, who voluntarily jumped into the pit when told that he'd die for good. The jewel reappeared as an amulet, and was locked in a box in Site-19's basement. Finally, we have something called the Seed, which was dropped into a vat of molten metal before being kicked in. It screamed like a man during the process. The replacement fell to Earth in England, and Robert Bumaro went to retrieve it, saying that he has some ideas for tying it closer to Mechane. These are all fairly well-known SCPs, or at least the replacements are, being SCP-049, 076, 173, 1867, 963, and 
one being how they managed to hide these sudden disappearances and changes from even the overseers, and why on earth are they killing and recreating captured anomalies. Sometime after Man's encounter with Holly, the head of the Global Occult Coalition sends an email to Fritz, congratulating him on his perfect addition to the game in the form of Man hunting them down. They refer to the sheer rush of adrenaline in knowing that someone is trying to end their life, even though Holly and Robert Pumaro are clutching their pearls at this development. Pumaro also sends an email to Fritz, and it seems that he, along with a few others, have spoken and believe that Fritz has gone too far. They had agreed to let Fritz try and spice up the game, but murder wasn't part of the deal. He says that dying is really unpleasant, as Holly was sure to let him know when she woke up, but adding a rogue element after already winning feels like taking a victory lap, and it's not fun. Jude from Gamers Against Weed reiterates this point, although a bit more bluntly, pun intended. So by all accounts then, Fritz won whatever game they were playing, and now they're all packing things up such as Anderson Robotics closing their doors and Wondertainment destroying Wonderworld. It would also seem that they are indeed immortal, although things that would kill them are still not pleasant, and they take some time to recover. Gumaro and the others believe that Fritz introduced Man into the mix to hunt them down, but by Man's own admission, he has no interest in killing them aside from Fritz. Whether or not Fritz is actually responsible for man stumbling upon things and acting against them remains to be seen. Another headline from a Canadian newspaper tells us that a lake in the region mysteriously turned red, becoming SCP-354. Man says that the scuffle with Holly Wondertainment ruined his invisibility hat, and he barely made it out of Wonderworld with the mysterious file. He did manage to steal some of her playthings though, such as the exploding whoopee cushions and a squirt gun, as the fourth rule is to be resourceful. The file contains that other version of SCP-5555 that we've already read, and it definitely bothers man. He discusses SCP-3179, referred to as the Seed and says that it came from space, and he was there when the cogwork orthodoxy handed it over to the Foundation, implying that Fritz and the others must have been planning this for a long time. He doesn't even think that SCP-006, the Fountain of Youth, would provide the kind of longevity that they seem to display. The fifth rule is prioritize, and the sixth rule is cut the head off the snake, and since it's pretty clear now that Fritz is leading this whole thing, he needs to be eliminated. Man tells his future successor to pass the SCP-5555 file to every other overseer and senior staff member they can, in order to raise some awareness to this problem. Man plans to go to England to track down Robert Bumaro, hoping he can get Fritz's location from him. It's a bit trickier now as he's lost his hat, and the conspirators are alerted to his presence. Man flies to Paris, and takes the channel over to England, but the Cogwork Orthodoxy, a branch of the Church of the Broken God, shuts down the train while it's underwater. 
They had been on the train posing as immigration inspectors, but Mann had recognized the ticking of their clockwork limbs. Mann gave them the slip inside the train and hid until it started moving again, at which point Mann stole the outfit and makeup from a mime as a disguise. The seventh rule is, the more your disguise stands out, the less you stand out, which seems a bit paradoxical, but he's the expert. The town of Dover is filled with members of the Cogwork Orthodoxy, and Mann has never seen so many out in the open before, suggesting that whatever their game is must be coming to an end soon. He steals a bicycle and rides towards the town where Bumaro was said to be found. The journey takes him two days, and he proceeds to camp on a hill outside of the town for the following five days, hoping to catch a glimpse of Bumaro. This town is even more filled with cogworks, and they've replaced the local authorities. Mann assumes that the GOC has suppressed news of the incident, since he knows that the Queen would never be okay with this, and the scale of the conspiracy continues to frighten him. Their primary focus seems to be a set of small craters on the far side of town, where they've set up some sort of temporary accommodations for Bumaro, and are tearing down buildings for raw materials to take to the craters. His first thought was that they were recreating the original containment unit of SCP-3179, but he hasn't seen any sign of construction. He has also yet to see Bumaro, but he assumes he's waiting things out in there, and man can be as patient as necessary. While they may have covered up that situation, not everything is being covered up, as a headline from the Guardian newspaper tells us that London is currently under siege from some sort of avian mutants. Bumaro finally makes an appearance after 10 days as he walks out at dawn, peeks at one of the craters, and immediately goes back into his accommodations. Man suspects that the cog work is almost done here, as fewer and fewer of them are showing up each day. He's put together a plan to kidnap Bumaro, which involves sneaking into the sewer system and planting some improvised pipe bombs in the Cogworks latrine. For whatever reason, the Cogworks use the latrine in packs, so he plans on wiping them all out at once with the pipe bombs and using the Wondertainment squirt gun to incapacitate Bumaro and take him into the sewers. The first part of the plan works alright, and Man gets inside of Bumaro's place but he is swiftly trapped, not by Bumaro, but by Herman Fuller, the head of the Anomalous Circus. Bumaro comes out while Fuller points a gun at Man, not interested in making the same mistake as Holly did. Bumaro says that Fuller should just blow him away right now since he's dangerous, but Fuller replies that Man has worked alongside Fritz for decades, and his knowledge could give them a huge advantage in the next round. Bumaro says it's not worth dying again, as even Holly looked like a ghost after she died, but Fuller is committed. He asks Man to tell him everything he knows about the man he calls Francis Fritz Williams, or he'll be shot. Man wonders why he would know more about him than they do, since they're all in this conspiracy together, but Fuller says they weren't close like him and Man. Man responds that if they really were close, Fritz wouldn't have tried to kill him. 
Fuller claims that Fritz didn't mean that, and if he had really wanted Mann dead, he'd be dead. Mann isn't convinced, saying that he knows Fritz better than his own father, and he definitely knows that he wanted him dead. At this point, Fritz makes an appearance, and apologizes to Mann for not responding to his emails, as he's been busy cleaning up after his associates. He also compliments Mann on his encounter with Holly, as shutting her mouth for more than five minutes is an achievement. He says that he's here to take Mann into custody, and if Fuller and Bumaro refuse, the snipers and the rafters will put them down, temporarily at least. Bumaro, being more afraid of the dying process, relents, but Fuller isn't going down without a fight. An exchange of gunfire ensues for around two minutes, and in the aftermath, Fritz has dragged the injured man out of the room. In the following note from Mann, he explains that he woke up in a bed with a migraine, his back and shoulder hurting, and his whole body aching. He was properly bandaged, though, in a square featureless room with carpet and a glass of water and Tylenol on the dresser next to his bed. He steps into a bathroom where he brushes his teeth and takes an hour-long shower before putting on some clothes he finds in the dresser. Stepping out of the room, it's clear he's in a safe house, but not one of his. There are food and drinks supplied, along with a note from Fritz and an updated copy of the SCP-5555 file. The note explains that Fritz had patched him up and left to do some errands, and he's given Mann some plane tickets and his old jacket, SCP-262, which is capable of manifesting a number of unique arms and arm-like appendages which they can control. The plane tickets are for a plane leaving tonight for Toronto, where the critic is currently located, the head of Are We Cool Yet? He tells Mann that his encounter with Rumaro and Fuller might have rattled him, but he should shake it off since he's got a world to save. It would seem that Fritz is encouraging Mann to take out his group of conspirators. The updated SCP-5555 file is mostly the same, but instead of a list of replaced SCPs, it has a list of SCP Foundation personnel and their new replacements. The new director of Site-67 is someone named Simon Glass, a highly driven PhD holder who will likely not repeat the same pattern as his predecessor, who married and fathered a child. The new head of R&D is Kane Pathos Crow, a research prodigy, and the new head of the classification committee is Jean Carlisle Actis, an expert in security, with some health conditions that may prove to be excellent leverage. The new head of the Department of Applied Influence will be Alto Clef, who is former GOC, and Fritz apparently plans on hiding him away for whoever plays the administrator next, since Clef could be their best man, or could go ballistic and wreck a few sites. The new director of Site-19 will be Tilda Moose, an individual experienced with thaumaturgy, and Fritz believes having an anomaly contain other anomalies will be a delicious stroke of irony. As for the O5s, Fritz doesn't give any details about the replacements, instead only telling Mann that O5-2 through 13 are all dead, all by his hand. 
As for 05-1, man, the note simply reads that the two of them bonded and it's time for man to get a move on. Man writes a note expressing anger at his own failure to notice Fritz's actions throughout the years, and he has no idea why exactly Fritz saved his life. While it seems that Fritz wants Man to take out the other leaders, Man's intention is to topple Fritz's empire to the ground. An email from Fritz to the rest of the group has him explaining that he's not betraying them or taking a victory lap. He's merely attempting to show off what his suggested addition can do for their game. Most of them would agree that the cleanup of the game is the dullest element, so he's just trying to spice things up. He commends what man has accomplished so far, because he took the time to shape and mold him into the perfect variable for the game. The critic, the head of Are We Cool Yet?, sends an email to Fritz telling him that he opened the door to his studio and was assaulted in broad daylight by Man. Man had proceeded to paint the sidewalk red with the critic's blood, and nearly ripped off his arms while curb stomping him in an effort to learn some info about Fritz's location. The critic describes Fritz's experiment here as not very cool. In some other emails, we learn that Man has been busy at work, blowing up Foundation sites by setting off their on-site nuclear weapons, and also assaulted Carter and Dark of MC&D to find info about Fritz's location. That brings us to some footage from inside of Simon Glass's office at Site 67, a highly secure facility. Man has managed to infiltrate the location and restrain Glass to a chair shooting him in the knee while asking how to turn on his camera. With the camera on, we see Man wearing SCP-262 and earmuffs, but his face is concealed, despite him immediately announcing that he is Everett Man. Man speaks to the camera and addresses Fritz, telling him that he's tired of hunting him down and wrecking his business. It seems that Fritz had facilitated Man's efforts to break into this Foundation facility, and he asks where Fritz found Glass, as he won't tell him a thing. Man shoots Glass in his other kneecap, and asks where he came from. Glass, amidst screams of pain, says that he's from Detroit, but Man wants to know where Fritz got him from. Glass says that he wasn't hired by Fritz, he was hired by someone in HR who isn't even alive anymore. Man proceeds to shoot Glass in the groin and muffles his screams. He asks Fritz where he's getting all these people, and how long this has been happening. He also wants to know what SCP-5555 really is, and why would he try to kill him and then save him, and what is the conspiracy trying to do. Man shoots Glass three more times, and tells Fritz that he's coming home. Home, in this case, is Overwatch Command, and Man steps past his former colleagues' offices as well as his own, and proceeds straight towards the administrator's office. He steps into an office that resembles a suburban American home, and sees Fritz mashing potatoes in a bowl in the kitchen. Fritz tells him to grab some beers from the fridge, which Man does, putting his gun on the countertop. He's not happy with Fritz's choice of beers, but sits down at the table as Fritz serves a pork chop dinner. Man quickly dives into the meal, 
Well, Fritz tells him not to eat like a savage. Man responds that he'll eat however he pleases, and that Fritz isn't his father. Asking about the decoration change in the office, Fritz explains that executive desks just wasn't his style, so he figured he'd turn it into a home away from home. He had invited Mann here multiple times, but Mann had been too hesitant to leave his arctic shack. At this point, Mann asks what this has all really been about, to which Fritz says that they should play a game, where they each get to ask three questions, one with a short answer, one with a medium answer, and one with a long answer. Mann agrees as they share a bottle of bourbon. Man's first question, with a short answer, is how does he kill Fritz permanently and end this conspiracy? Fritz has no idea, as he's already tried everything the Foundation has, and then some, and nothing's worked, which is also true for the others. Fritz's short question is, has man been having fun? To which man responds, yes. Man's medium question is why did Fritz save him from his co-conspirators? Fritz doesn't really consider them co-conspirators, as Fuller was more of Holly's friend than his, and Bumaro is just fun to mess around with. Fritz saved him because Fuller and Bumaro are a couple of spoil sports, comparing man to the bourbon, something full of potential but needs age and experience. Man really impressed him by all the trouble he's been causing, sneaking into Foundation sites, setting off nukes, even the simple traps he had used on the Death Squad. He's a one-man army, but he needs more time. The others have come around to seeing the appeal of including him in the game now, and they are the kind of people he needs to bring out his best self. Fritz's medium question is the same as his first, asking Man if he's been having fun. Man elaborates by saying, a little, as it's been nice to travel and work in the field again by planning and executing operations. That doesn't make up for what Fritz has been doing to him and the Foundation, and the pork chops, bourbon, and bandages don't excuse things. He's killed 113 Chaos Insurgents, run through 20 body doubles, had 13 world leaders assassinated, had 9 others replaced, ordered 19 false flag operations, and racked up 60,000 civilian casualties, all taught to him by Fritz. And now, Fritz has thrown that all away and tried to throw him out as well. Man's long question is, why did Fritz do this? Fritz responds with a number, 1,300,000,000, which is apparently his all-time body count of people killed by him or because of him. He doesn't really worry about that number though, and he is working to get man to lose his empathy as well, since that's when he'll really do amazing things. Man's actions while he worked for Fritz throughout the years, such as shutting down the chaos insurgency and strong-arming the GOC into helping him erase North Korea from memory, managed to win the game for Fritz by himself. Then man apparently developed a conscience, and hid away in the Arctic, which Fritz took as an offense. Fritz had been through similar bouts before, but figured that man would soon break out of it. The problem was that he didn't, so Fritz decided to kickstart things since the game was ending soon. Man proceeds to punch him in the face, 
and while Fritz commends him on his technique, he tells Man that he has to get over his feelings because they're just going to slow him down. Man doesn't know what Fritz wants from him, as he can't pretend to be fine with these conspirators using the world as their monopoly board. Fritz says that he doesn't need to pretend, just be himself as a one-man army throwing a wrench into things. He's had more fun following Man's adventures than he has in the last dozen games combined. His long question to Man is, are you ready to have some fun? Man draws his gun and shoots Fritz in the head, succinctly expressing his refusal. A moment passes before Fritz's neck realigns itself and a bullet falls out of his forehead. He stands and claps Man on the back, telling him that he's already getting into the swing of things. Man sits down as Fritz says that he did a hell of a job and he'll fit right in. He might even learn to enjoy himself, but for now he just has to get up to speed on the rules. At this point, you likely have a good idea of what exactly the game is, as we have a collection of immortals that go through cycles in which they each have some sort of win condition. These win conditions are never explicitly stated, but we can infer things based on what we know about each of the groups. We can assume the Foundation wins once a certain number of SCPs or certain specific SCPs are contained by them, while the GOC might win once those same SCPs are destroyed. The rest of the groups are a bit trickier, but it's likely that possession of anomalies in some capacity is important. The final email is from Fritz to the rest of the group thanking them all for playing and providing them the final version of the transfer table. As an additional twist, the individuals themselves change roles from game to game, so Fritz is not always the Foundation Administrator. In the next game, he will be Dr. Wondertainment instead. Most of the major groups of interest are represented here, from MC&D to Grand Carcist Ion to Big Cheese Horus of the Southern Fifthus. Fritz also mentions that he took the liberty of inducting Everett into the game, and has been prepping him. He promises that his role will be like nothing they've seen before. The article ends with a note from Man, who says that he's immortal now, one of them. He doesn't know how long they've been playing this game or why, but he's part of it now. He's been assigned the role Nobody, and his win condition is to kill the rest of them. Basically, they are mocking him, but the joke is on them, because he understands the thrill of the hunt. He ends by saying that he's assembled all of these notes not as instructions for the new overseer, but as a warning, because they shouldn't get involved. His only goal now is to kill Fritz, and he's got all the time in the world to do it. SCP-5555 follows a bit of a common trend among the SCP-5000 contest entries in which the SCP itself doesn't really matter. There are plenty of people that object to this, claiming that something like this is really more of a tale than an SCP article, but that doesn't diminish the story. There are vibes of the Ouroboros cycle here and the story raises some questions about how exactly this game works as far as outsiders are concerned, 
but it was a fun take on what exactly bored immortals might get up to in a world filled with anomalies. In all likelihood, man will become accustomed to his new role, Fritz will never truly die, and the game will continue for a long, long time.